even as Brother Jim stumbling, I always hope to be able to remember that one little sermon that he preached. That sometimes we forget to pray for when we're having trouble getting that little screw in the wall. And he was making the point that a small thing is trying to get a screw in the wall. When it's not going the right way, if you don't ask for help, it can turn into a greater problem. Naturally speaking, you're trying to get a screw in the wall, you might slip and screwdriver goes through the wall and now you got a problem. Might go in and tear up a plumbing or a wire and then you got a bigger problem. Place hard to get to, so you got to tear out the whole wall. It's a bigger problem. All because you forgot to pray for that one little thing. And it's that way in life when we forget to pray, when we have one little teeny problem with somebody. Might be a nothing problem. It'll go away. I don't have to deal with that. But then you find that it's really bothered them more than it's bothered you. And because they may not know God, they're going to go tell everybody else. Or they might even know God and go tell everybody else. And then all of a sudden you've got other people that's got half the story. And they're going to tell it and spread it on down the line and it gets so out of whack after a while that the truth's not even in there anymore. A lot of us went through a little experiment sometimes teachers would do when we were really young. They come in, they tell one student at the first of the class a little tale and say, pass it on. And by the time it got to the end, it wasn't even true anymore. It wasn't the same story. All because we didn't want to deal with the one little teeny problem, ask God for help. God, help me deal with this. May not be big to me, but it's big to somebody else. Help me deal with this. God, I'm not good with confrontation. Help me deal with this. Did you think to pray for the small things as well as the great? Usually we wait till the, as Brother Troy was talking about, the four stages of cancer. And then we begin to beg. And for the body, it may be too late. Doesn't mean that God can't. He's risen from the dead. He's made the lame to walk, the blind to see. Amen. Cast devils out of people. But naturally speaking, we know that sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes. That being said, I can remember when, I can still remember the day that they came and told us about Sarah and the leukemia. He's working on this building. All kind of stunned. Didn't know what to hardly do. Then John came to her and asked us, and, did you pray? Well, no, we hadn't. You study, there was two or three preachers, two or three people that was going to be preachers, and prayer never crossed their mind. And if it did, nobody spoke it. Did you pray? No, we didn't. But when somebody comes and said, did you pray? Yes, we did. 
We had a prayer then, then we had a special prayer later on. And you know, God healed her. And it was a tough road for her. I'm not saying it was easy. And God doesn't heal everybody that we pray for. We know that. But if we don't ask, we'll never know. If we never ask of God, we'll never know if God would have accomplished it in our life. We're left out in the dark. We're not using everything that God has given us. Did you think to pray? Now sometimes it's not enough just to pray. When you get the answer, you better go act on it. God tells us to ask, as he's reading in Bible study, in the Old Testament, David always went and asked. And we read of others that didn't, and we see the outcome far different. David asked for everything God he wanted. To, when there was a trouble, God, what should I do? Should I go up? Should I not? And God gave him an answer. Sometimes the answer was no. And sometimes it was a very detailed answer. What exactly he wanted him to do. And other times it was just go up, I'll be with you. Don't worry, I'm going to be there. We read in the New Testament about the Apostle Paul who was preaching the word of God and he was troubled on every side because there were Jews that would follow him around and preach Jesus, but then... You got to keep the law. You got to do the circumcision. You got to do the feast days, the high days. You got to keep that Sabbath day. And Paul was troubled on every side. He prayed that God would remove the thorn that was in his flesh. That thing that was troubling him so much. Some people want to say, well, it's an eye problem. It was this or that. But as you read, you find out that it was people that were subverting his word. Going against the very word of God. And it was troubling him so much. He prayed three times, God, remove it from me. And God's answer to him was, in essence, no. My grace is sufficient for thee. What I have given you will allow you to deal with what they are doing. Don't worry so much about what other people are doing. Focus on what I've told you to do. And there's the rub so many times. We are focused on everything else that everybody else is doing and what they're saying. They might be talking about you and it finally comes uh, over time that I tell people I don't care what other people say. I can't control what they say and what they think. I can't control that. The only thing I can control is what I do. By the grace of God that He has given me that no matter what anybody else says about me or my family or my kids, and sometimes it's hurtful when you hear things, you can't control it. You can't stop it. You can't go just kill everybody. So what do we have? We have our own actions. When we don't act upon what other people do, many times it'll put a stop on it. 
They get tired of it if you're not going to get a reaction. Well, like what everybody else is doing. Well, you can't control everybody else. We try to, but we can't. We can't. The Pharisees when, and the chief priests and the high priests, they tried to use religion against our Savior. But see, people try to use religion and they don't live religion. They don't live godly. They will take pieces and places in the Bible as the Pharisees did. They would say, you're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to work on it. Go to be healed on every other day or even tell Jesus heal on other days. Trying to use the word against him, which he was the word. And he finally let him know that man wasn't made for the Sabbath. That the Sabbath was made for the man. It was a day appointed that God for rest. God didn't make men so that they would go about keeping the Sabbath. Religion. Do you live it? Or just use it to what you want to give? The Pharisees kind of brought religion under the law down to two things. Circumcision and the Sabbath. They laid the waste widows' houses. They would allow men to say, instead of honoring your mother and your father, say, it's a gift of God that I was even born. That whatever you profited by my birth, allows me to not have to honor you anymore. And Jesus said, you've made the word of God of none effect when you do this. They were twisting the word. They were saying we were honoring our parents, but they were saying by my very birth I've honored them. Not by anything that they had ever did of themselves. But God had already blessed them with a man child. Twisting the word of God to do what they wanted to do. And Jesus said, you're teaching for the doctrines of men for the commandments of God. You're twisting the word. You're using religion in the wrong way. You're not living it. Today, are you living the word of God? In every point of your life. And this is for each and every one of us to Look in ourselves. As it tells us in Corinthians about the, uh, the communion that we take. For every man to judge themselves. It's not for me to do. It's more for me to warn you. And you to warn me. And you to warn your neighbor and your wife and your husband. And your friends. Whoever's in your life, that God gives you the opportunity to warn them, not force them, but to warn them, do it. But see, we have to make sure that we're doing it by example, not just by word. <coughs> it does no good for me to say, Thou shalt not lie, and then may be the biggest liar in the face of the Mingo County. 
It's good words to say. Don't lie. But if I go about lying to everybody, what does that make you think? But see, that's one of the easy ones. When we get into what the Ten Commandments, that's as far as people want to go so many times. Reminds me of the rich young ruler. They call him in one place. Uses different language about the man in every different book. But it's the same message. Good master, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus first said, Why callest thou me good, seeing there is none good? Save the Father which is in heaven. A lesson in itself there that Jesus comparing himself to the Father, even though he knew in another place it said that he it weighed any kind of robbery to be called equal with God, he never did. He always honored the Father. So he was given a lesson there that why would we call ourselves good when the Bible says there's none good? No, not one. Then he said, knowest thou the commandments? Which ones, Lord? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor your mother and your father. Lord, these I've done since my youth up. See, we will, people will use that in life and say, see, I'm keeping those Ten Commandments, so I'm good. I don't have any other gods. I'm not out worshiping idols. I'm not lying to people. I'm not killing anybody. I'm not committing adultery. And they'll go down those Ten Commandments and say, I'm all right. But yet when we get into the New Testament, we find something else that Jesus told this man, Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And then inherit, follow me and inherit eternal life. And I might have said, Return, inherit the riches that are laid up for you in heaven. And he went away sorrowful because he was rich. He didn't want to do the one thing that Jesus said you're going to have to do. And his problem was that he loved his riches. Now, your problem may not be that you love your riches. It might be something else entirely, and mine might be something else entirely. But whatever it is that I love more than God, I have to get rid of it. Some people love their job more than anything in this world. Some love their kids more than anything, their wife, their family. Whatever it is, the Bible lets us know that you must forsake mothers, fathers, children, homes, and land. And God will add to you mothers, fathers, children, homes, and land. I've heard Brother Billy say it, and I feel the same way. You hear a lot of people say it. His is about pigeon roost. He, he loves that place. Loves it. And I love where I was raised. Boy, I used to work with him at Mud Fork. He said, I'd, I'd like to live anywhere in the world. As long as I can look over the mountain, there's Mud Fork. We love it. But if God put us in another place, we'd have to give it up. We'd have to go somewhere else. And that doesn't mean that you don't support your children and raise your children and give your wife money and feed her. 
Bible tells you if you don't care for your own, you're worse than an infidel. But it's talking about you can't live their way of life any longer. You have to live the ways of God. You have to forsake that way of life. Forsake that way of life. Do you live religion? Or just parts of it? Do you live the word of God? Or do you try to use it to your advantage? And you might say, well, people don't do that. Well, the Bible says they do. Paul had a problem with those and he said he was even thankful that they were preaching the name of Jesus, but he said they were doing it for a pretense. Supposing to add more troubles to his bonds wherein he was bound. That they were trying to add more affliction to what he was having to deal with already. And Paul just said, I'm thankful they're, they're speaking the name of Jesus. But they were doing it in the wrong manner for the wrong reason. They were doing it to try because they hated Paul and despised Paul and his word of grace. They still wanted Jesus with works. And the Bible says, by grace are you saved, not of what you can do. By grace are you saved through faith. How do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're not born with it. We can't buy it. We can't work to obtain it. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. And yet we'll have people say, look what I'm doing for God. And rather, instead of rather saying, look what God is doing for me or even through me. Or as Brother Billy quoted, he worketh in us both the will and the do of his good pleasure. And whatsoever he does through us is not us, it's him working in us. We can't get, take credit. We can't take honor and glory. Living godly and using the word of God to try to gain advantage. Some will use the word of God to obtain riches. That's what the Pharisees did. Stature in life. That's what the high priest did. The Bible said they didn't want to uh, have Jesus as their king because they did not want to lose their place in the Roman society. They loved having it from both ends. The people honored them because of their stature among the Jews' religion. The Romans, to a point, honored them because they kept the peace of the Jews. They could keep the Jews in line. So they had a reward come from both ends, and they didn't want to lose that. But if your reward is something you desire of the things of this earth, that's as good as it's ever going to get for you. You might say it's God. But what did the devil offer our Lord and Savior? If you'll worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this earth. For it is in my power to do that. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me, saith the God of heaven. 
And Jesus said, no, it's not worth all the things of this world. It's not about that. But yet people will say, in the name of God, because I am doing godly things, that I'm rich. But the Word says, whosoever supposes that gain is godliness, from such a one flee. But in the name of God, people get rich. In the name of God. Does that make them godly? No. Does that make you any less godly? Because you're, or any more godly because you're poor? That don't make you godly either. Living the word of God is the only thing that we have. And as Brother Billy said so much there that God dwells within us and gives us everything we need to live godly. He gives us His Word. He gives us instructions that are laid out for us. How to treat people. Not only those that love you, but those that hate you. Are you as Paul said about one group of people that he was talking to. I perceive that you are too religious. And he's talking about you're too superstitious. You're, you're worshiping everything out there. And he even showed them one stone that they had a superscription to. To the unknown God. And he said, he's the one I'm going to declare unto you. The unknown God. They were trying to cover all their bases. And you will hear people in the name of God say, well, give Jesus a trial. If it don't work out, what, what difference does it make to you? That makes a whole lot of difference. That giving Jesus a try is not faith. Faith is that he is going to work out. When Jesus said, try me and see that I'm good, taste of me and see that I'm good, he wasn't giving you uh, uh, an if or uh, situation here. If you don't like me, that's all right. He was giving you a definite situation. If you tasted me, you will like it. Amen. It's going to be the best thing that you've ever had if you tasted me. Be it people will tell you to try him. See if it's good or not. In the name of God, they'll say this. That's not faith. Faith is that I know that God is going to take me to heaven. I know that the Word of God is the best way for my life. I know that the Word of God will make others not even like me. But the Word of God will take me to heaven. Are you religious? Or are you truly a Christian? Saved by the Word of God. Are you going through the motions to appease people? Is the only reason you get up and come to churches so people say, well, I'm still part of them. Or I'm still part of God. Or is your reason because you want to be around others that, that love you and show your love to them and to hear the Word of God? And to sing the words of God. Sing praises that the Bible teaches us to lift up our voice. 
that we teach one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we hear people say, well, I can't sing. Well, sing. God ain't listening to your voice. He's listening to the heart. Doesn't mean that you're going to be the solo singer and it may not be your gift. But as a congregation, when people lift their voice up, it's such a beautiful sound. Do you come to church just to be seen? Just to wear the new clothes? Some people will say, have good thoughts about you? Or do you come truly to hear the word of God? So that we can learn the word of God. When the Bible tells us to be of one mind and one accord, if we're all sitting at home learning our own fashion, our own way, sometimes it's hard to come together. But when we come together and we hear people and we talk to people, we not only hear the preachers, but we hear other people talking about things. You see that we're pretty close. Sometimes the problem is I might use this word and you use this word. Are you religious or are you saved? Let's don't be like the Bible talks about those that seem to be religious. Because they're in this destruction. But those that follow the word, that we hear the word and we trust the word and we follow the word and we do the word, we are God's. How do you know that you pass from life unto death and that you love the brother? Amen. How do you know that you're my disciples and that you keep my commandments? And what is my commandments? The chief one is to love one another as I have loved you. And if you have love, all these other things are going to fall right in line. The not gossiping. The forgiving. To deal with your problems face to face, one on one. To not be part of a mob and a crowd. But to allow your love to flow from breast to breast. As God has given you. And on the other hand. The world is waiting for a sign. I cannot show you Jesus. I have no possible way to do it. No possible way to prove it. All I can do is testify about him. And when it touches your heart that you believe it. And you can't go around trying to figure it out, naturally speaking. It's just something you've got to have faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And trust it. And God will put in you that desire, that unction that it causes you, cause it. To study his word. To want to know his word. How to live. Not just so people will look at you and say, what a good person. But so that one day, you'll be going to heaven. I can't show you. I can't make you believe. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief priests 
kept asking Jesus, show us a sign so that we may believe. And you know the amazing thing? He showed them so many signs and wonders and they wanted something else. And he let them know there's going to be no sign given that will make you believe. There's no sign going to be given except for the uh, sign of Jonas who was in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And also another place that talks about that he testified before this wicked world. That was the signs that Jesus gave. All the miracles that he did. That should have been a sign. That he said, believe for the very work's sake. They said it was of the devil. What else could he have done? That last and final sign that he did do. That he was in the heart of the earth for three days. And he rose again so that we can be justified. Amen. So that we can have life with him everlasting. I can't prove it to you, but I believe it. I can't write it right down on a paper and show you a road back to it, but I believe it. And I trust in it with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's not an if or a maybe that, well, if there is no resurrection, and at least I led a good moral life and people like me. There's no ifs, ands, or buts like that. It is I believe. And as we read his word, we get more and more strength in our belief. As we read his word and we put it to action, we gain more and more strength in what we believe. When it says, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, godliness, brotherly kindness. It's not saying go add a bunch of different things. It's strengthen in these things. Because it says, if these things be in you and abound, you will not be unfruitful in the word. You will not be. If these things are in you, allow them to grow in you. Learn. Get strength. So in that day that trials come, you can stand strong. You can stand strong. Do you believe? Yea, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. God bless each and every one of you. I hope the lessons today will be a help to you. If anybody believes that God has forgiven them of their sins, we'd love to hear you tell that. And then by the commandment of God, we will baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Anybody have a song we want to sing? We'll sing and shake hands with one another.